Hello, friend, and welcome to the Trenton 365 Show. I'm your host, Jacques Howard. You can send me an email, trenton365show at gmail.com. You can find me on all social media platforms at Trenton365. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to post your events to the Trenton 365 Community Calendar page on Facebook, you can do that as well. You're listening over WIMG 1300, New Jersey's oldest radio station, and you can find WIMG 1300 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. If you're watching, it's over WPHY Channel 25 covering Mercer County, New Jersey through the Verizon Fios Network. In the studio with me in the first segment of the program, I've got my friend Maya K. Van Rossman. I'm holding up her book for those of you who are watching on TV. And it, the book is called The Green Amendment. We're going to be talking about a lot of em- environmental stuff, very pertinent because of the Delaware River. I do want you to pay attention to the social media contacts here. So Maya can be found on her organization's website, which is DelawareRiverKeeper.org, and the network is Delaware Riverkeeper Network. We'll get into all the meat and potatoes about that shortly, but this is very important to me. I met Maya maybe about about almost a year ago exactly at Classics Books and Gifts for one of uh, Eric Maywar's uh, Meet the Author events, and... um, um, she's infectious, um, and plus it's the environment, and it's a lot of good stuff that we really should be paying attention to, especially in Mercer County, because oftentimes this is considered like an urban environment, and I think people recognize and respect the river, but I don't think that we really pay attention to it. It's just something that's there. We're not thinking about, hey, well, where's the water flowing from, and where's the water flowing to, and that's why I'm so excited to have Maya K. Van Rossum in the studio. Maya, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Oh, it's fantastic. And you're if you're excited now. This is the way Maya always is. All the times that I talk to her, even an email, you can kind of get this feeling like this is she's very vivacious. This is just what's <laughs> happening here. So Maya, let's get a, a little bit of a brief intro about who you are, and then uh, I want you to lead that right into what made you become so passionate about the environment, and then let's just ta- start talking about Delaware Riverkeeper. Great, great. So I'm the person with the honor of bearing the title of being the Delaware Riverkeeper. And what that means, my technical job description is, I'm to be the voice of the Delaware River. So I need to make sure that anytime anybody anywhere is taking an action or making a decision that would harm or help the main stem Delaware River or or any of the streams that feed it, that the needs of the river are not just understood, but they're given the highest level of protection in whatever action or decision that's taking place. But of course, you and I both know that protecting any natural resource, um, any community, especially one as large as the Delaware River and its watershed, is not the job of one person, Mm -hmm. right? One person can't possibly give our beautiful river and all of the communities that, that depend upon it a voice. It's the job of a community. And so the Delaware Riverkeeper Network, my organization, is about creating and supporting all the communities that come together and fight for the environments here within our beautiful Delaware River watershed. Whether you're in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, or Delaware, all the states that the river flows through, the Delaware Riverkeeper Network operates and will help you take on whatever challenge you're facing. Mm-hmm. And I want you to, to go back to that because, you know, when I was uh, leading into this, the monologue, I was talking about, like, you know, this beautiful body of water. And all of my life, it's been, like, something that's been there. Um, but a lot of people, I'm sure it's just... 
okay, it's the river. Like, okay, you know, it rains, it gets higher. Um, it's cold, there's ice in it. But people don't really pay attention to it. Why is that body of water and all bodies of water so important? So the, the Delaware River and all waterways, they are the basis of our very lives, mm -hmm. right? They support every aspect of our lives. Of course, they provide us the drinking water we need. In fact, um, 13 to 15 million people drink water from the Delaware River. The river up in the upper reaches is so clean that actually, actually the people in New York City drink that water untreated. There is no treatment facility that has been uh, built to treat the Delaware River before it goes into the water systems of, of New York City. And that's because up in the state of New York, they've worked really hard to protect the, the uh, environments that filter the water before it enters into the main stem river and then gets drawn off for New York City. Of course, as you come down the river, more pollution inputs come into it, and so we have to have more treatment facilities. And yet, we still have millions and millions of people in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and, and even in the state of Delaware, right, that depend upon the Delaware River itself mm. or a tributary or groundwater supplies um, for their drinking water. So, you know, just start there, right? None of us survive without the beautiful water that's in the river. But also the Delaware River provides food, it supports jobs, mm -hmm. it provides an opportunity for families to get together and enjoy time together and, and enjoy time in nature, which is so important. Um, you know, there's so much research to show that healthy nature actually helps children learn better, mm. right? So our beautiful rivers actually help children do better in school, right? So whatever, Every aspect of our lives, whatever is sort of most important to you, in one way or another, our rivers and streams support that. <clears throat> that's, that's amazing. You know, and I'm glad that you, you broke it down that way because, again, I don't consider myself an environmentalist, but I pay attention and I, I want to, you know, pass this on to the next generation, whatever we have here in nature. But I never really looked at it in, in like, that detail. And it just makes so much sense. I want to ask you now, then why, um, as the river gets closer to, um, to the bay or whatever, why has it become more polluted or less care um, from the municipalities um, who are trusted to take care of this? So up in New York State, where it is so clean and fresh, um, and so we don't need those treatment facilities before people drink it, uh, the, the, the people in New York State realize that if they just spent and I'm going to give you some numbers. If they just spent between one and one and a half billion dollars to protect the forests and the wetlands and the natural landscapes that feed the Delaware River, they could avoid spending 10 to 20 billion dollars on a treatment facility. Um, and in fact, that translates into money savings for every single person that has to pay for that water, you know, down in, in New York City, right? So there was a cost savings to protecting the healthy environments and therefore protecting the quality of the Delaware River. Unfortunately, you know, as we've come, as you come down the river, we do not have our, our states and our municipal officials haven't made that same kind of investment in protecting the environments that feed the river. Um, and fundamentally, actually, if you look at the laws here in the United States of America, whether, whether you're talking New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, any other state across the nation, our laws are about managing pollution. They accept pollution and environmental degradation as a foregone conclusion and 
simply something to be accepted and then managed through the granting of a permit that decides who, when, where, um, and exactly how much degradation and pollution is allowed to happen. They don't really focus on preventing it in the first place, right? New York State did that not because of the laws, but because it was economically smart. And it was smart for the health and the safety of the people in New York City that were to drink that beautiful Delaware River water. Um, but as you come down the river, right, people didn't um, make those same kinds of calculations early on. And so instead, they followed the laws. The laws allow pollution and degradation. And the further you come down the river, the more pollution inputs you have. And it, very literally built up in the water, in the fish, and unfortunately for the communities that, that would otherwise depend upon or enjoy our beautiful river. Hmm. Now, do you know of any, off the top of your head, and I'm sure you probably find it with time, but do you know of any uh, municipalities that are changing those laws um, mm -hmm. to improve the water quality, specifically on the Delaware mm -hmm. River? So there are some municipalities, right? You know, the municipalities have some level of control, and there there are a number that you know may do better in one area or another. For example, they might do a better job protecting floodplains, keeping people mm. from building right up against the river that creates pollution for the river or the stream, but also very literally puts that person right in the path of the next flood, right? So that they can become the next victim of flooding. Um, and there are frankly a, a number of municipalities. That, that do that. Or you might have municipalities that have more stringent requirements on when and how and where development happens. Um, but for the most part, municipalities, right, are operating under state law. And the way the, the state operates, and particularly here in New Jersey, again, the system is entirely set up to accept pollution and degradation and just figure out how to manage it. And that's part of, unfortunately, the culture of New Jersey and the culture of, of pretty much every state across the nation. And that's exactly actually what I'm trying to change with the book, The Green Amendment, trying to put out there a fundamentally new idea which is focused about on preventing pollution, preventing degradation, mm -hmm. um, rather than just accepting it as, as something that you know we have to allow happen because when we allow it to happen it does take the quality of our water it does take the quality of our food it very literally takes our health and mm -hmm. our lives and our jobs and the quality of our lives right it's devastating it, it does in in impede upon the ability of children to learn and enjoy life and live happy lives all the way through right so um you know we we have to refocus things um, to prevent the harm first, because when we protect nature, we protect ourselves, right? We're all connected. Absolutely, and I'm glad you said that, because that's so spot on. Now, um, share your contact information, and then I want, I want you to talk sure. about what got inside of you that has made you so passionate about the environment, particularly the Delaware River? So, um, if people want to reach me, right, as you said, the website is DelawareRiverkeeper.org. Org, or they can um, call the Delaware Riverkeeper Network. Uh, we actually have a 1-800 number. It's 1-800-8-DELAWARE. And I know the R-E are extraneous, but it's a nice way to remember it. 1-800-8-DELAWARE. If you know of a pollution threat or something that's concerning you and you want to get in touch, call us. And we'll do our best to, um, to help you out. Um, uh, and, and the second part was, um, 
what what made you so excited about the environment and the river? Did anything in particular happen, or was this just how you were reared? What was it? Yeah, I, that's really, I don't really know. I really was very fortunate. I grew up next to a beautiful forest with a beautiful stream at the bottom of a beautiful meadow. I had to go through other people's properties to get there, right? But, I, you know, I was... Um, I was sent outside a lot to play mm. in nature. And my parents um, were European. We came here actually when I was young. Um, I was born in India. Um, and you know, they were not environmental activists or advocates. They were just smart people who recognized that we have to be thoughtful about how we use all of our resources, whether we're talking about our money and having a good budget or whether we're talking about, you know, our natural resources that sustain our very lives. And so they would encourage me to play in nature. We used cloth bags and reusable cups and, you know, rode our bicycles when we had to go to the shop. Um, not because my parents were thinking, you know, we've got some big environmental catastrophe we have to avoid, but it's the right thing to do. You live lightly on the earth. So I don't really know. Um, I, I think I... You know, I do know that something I realized early on, whether you were talking about the plants or the animals or the other kids in school who were being bullied, we always have parts of our community that need somebody to help be their champion, mm. right, when they're under threat. And, um, and so I did find myself, you know, trying to be the champion of friends who were being bullied. Or not friends, just people who are being bullied and rise up. But I also realized early on that the plants and the animals, they have no voice in our human world mm. unless somebody's willing to give them a voice. And so I guess I just naturally, that part of me um, grew and was nurtured somehow by nature so I really realized that I wanted to be nature's champion as much as I could oh man now you guys see why I had to get my Van Rossum in here for those of you who are watching on TV here's her book the Green Amendment, and I encourage you to check it out. It's available on all the typical platforms, barnesandnoble.com, Amazon, and also on your website, DelawareRiverKeeper.org. They can get it there as well, That's right? That's right, and if somebody were to buy it, every single penny goes back to protecting the earth. Not a single penny goes into my pocket because I wrote the book to try to help save the world not to make money. So I don't want anybody to think, right, that this is about shilling books for Maya. This is about saving our world. Mm, that's amazing. So I've got Maya K. Van Rossum in the studio. We'll be back after a short break. You're listening and watching the Trenton 365 show. And welcome back to the Trenton 365 show. You can send me an email, trenton365show at gmail.com. In the studio with me is Maya K. Van Rossum. She's an author, but she's also an environmentalist and an activist. And I'm holding up her book, The Green Amendment, which is available on uh, most of the sites where you can get books, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, etc. And you can also get it on the website, DelawareRiverKeeper.org. Maya wants you to know that every single cent made from this goes right back into the environment so this isn't a money-making initiative of hers um, I met Maya about last year about this time at Classics Books and Gifts when she was doing a meet to author event and uh, we got a chance to chat and catch up and then schedules just worked that way so we weren't able to really connect here in the studio but as you can see um, she's got a lot of information 30 minutes isn't enough but she did agree to come back on a pseudo regular basis to talk about what's happening with the Delaware River and the environment so you're going to get a chance to hear and see a lot more from Maya K. Van Rossum. So in the meantime, I encourage you to check out the website, Delaware 
riverkeeper.org. Now, uh, Maya, I want you to talk a little bit about fracking. And I, I, as we were saying off air, fracking is a very, very, very large topic. And there's mm-hmm. lots of different pros and cons and different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, was, I was using an example of if you owned a bunch of land in a rural community and they came along and said, hey, we want to lease your land and we want to write you a giant check. How do you turn that kind of thing down? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, there's issues with the environment, with the procedures, with it. And I know that this isn't enough time to really go into mm-hmm. the details about it. But just share a little bit about fracking, and then we'll transition and, and yeah. talk a little bit more about some other things. So I want to make really clear, net, no benefits, right? Just really decimating for our communities. Um, deep in the geology of the earth, there are little bubbles of gas. People refer to it as natural gas. We call it fracked gas because there is a highly industrial operation that's used by the industry that injects massive volumes of water. It requires over 10 million gallons of water at this point to frack a well, which drills down deep into the geology of the earth. You shoot 10 million gallons of water to which the industry has added dangerous toxins in order to try to shatter the shale to release these little bubbles of gas. Um, Most of the water gets lost into the earth. The water, about the two to three million gallons that does come to the surface of the earth, has all of the dangerous toxic chemicals the industry has added, as well as contaminants that the water has picked up from the geology of the earth, including radioactive materials. The water that comes back to the surface is so toxic, even the industry doesn't have a good plan for what to do with it, so they reuse it for more fracking, they store it in pits on the ground, or they ship it off to other places like Oklahoma where they try to re-inject it into the ground in the hopes they'll never see it again, and they create hundreds and hundreds of earthquakes for the unfortunate people who live there. Um, It is a highly polluting industrial operation. It requires massive land transformation and the cutting of forests because you need so many wells and so much water and so much toxic uh, wastewater. Um, Long story short, it transforms, it decimates our landscapes. It creates hundreds of billions of gallons of toxic frack wastewater that we don't have a good solution for. It mandates the use of hundreds of billions of gallons of fresh water that we need to survive here on the earth, but yet the industry is taking it and ruining it forever. Um, it um, All to get what is just another form of dirty fossil fuel, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so um, the the Uh, Fracked gas is primarily methane. Methane is a greenhouse gas. It's one of the most devastating greenhouse gases we have. So you get air pollution, you get water pollution, you get land decimation, you get worsening climate change. That's what fracked gas and fracking for gas gives you. What it takes away from you, right, not only is our healthy lives, our healthy water, our healthy air, our safe future, right, from the devastations of climate change, but it actually also prevents the investment in those clean energy options Hmm. that are genuinely available today. We have solar, we have wind, we have geothermal, we have so many other strategies for creating our energy. We don't need another form of dirty fossil fuel that will decimate our present and future generations. We have clean energy today. And I want you to know, um, I live outside of the city of Philadelphia. I have solar panels on my roof, geothermal on my ground, and I drove here in in an electric car charged by my solar panels. So if I could do it in my house outside of Philadelphia, right, 
it's available. Mm -hmm. It's available. Now, I'm going to go off into the weeds a little bit about that because I think a lot of people, besides it being something new, I think most people um, think, okay, well, I can't afford it. Um, I live in an environment where it's mm -hmm. not conducive, et cetera. Can you just uh, speak to that yeah. a little bit? So, and that's an important question that you asked about, right? You asked about the, the person who is offered a big check to lease their land to the frackers, right? Now you're talking about the people who feel that clean energy isn't necessarily available to them. Both of those scenarios are actually true, and that's where government comes in. It is government's responsibility to put in place the rules and the regulations to make the decisions that protect our entire community. That includes um, preventing fracking and making clean energy more available, mm -hmm. helping that farmer who wants to lease their land for fracking to perhaps be able to make it available for some clean energy option, to make um, clean rooftop solar, for example, genuinely accessible to people living here in Trenton, mm -hmm. right? So one of the reasons why we have the, the, the problems we're talking about is because actually government is not, a, not just allowing it, but is encouraging the bad scenario and not encouraging the good scenario when it comes to energy. So we need to put lawmakers into office that are going to advance clean energy options um, and, you know, stop the dirty fossil fuels. Because the reality is we don't have a choice. We are decimating lives today, not just in the future, but today with these dirty fossil fuels. And we don't have to be. Mm -hmm. But we need our government officials to help us get on the right path. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm glad you, you, you stress the importance of our elected officials. Um, I always talk about, the, it appears to me is that we've got this mentality of politics as a pyramid, where mm -hmm. the person who's elected is at the top doing whatever they feel they want to do, and it's supported by all the others, when in actuality, that's not how it was supposed to be designed. And um, the whole impetus behind Trenton 365 is to encourage civic engagement to get people to start saying, hey, no, I've got some questions, and I want my elected officials to answer these questions for me, and if they're not going to answer them, then they shouldn't be in office. We'll just vote them out and we'll get someone else in. Um, and it's interesting that you brought up like solar here in Triton. I think that we, we have one of the largest masses of properties, homes, here in Triton. This would be a prime place for a solar company to come in because you could bang out three, four, five of them in a day. And I think that there's, there's a lot of people who would be interested in it, but there's really no initiatives. And I remember having a co conversation with a contractor friend of mine, um, well-to-do, does only commercial work. And um, he had talked about, you know, um, the incentives and things like that. And, and I asked him, I said, well, why is there so much solar in the suburbs? And he couldn't give me an answer. And, and that, to me, and this is a friend. And it's wrong. And, you know, there's, we've, we're, we're part of, a part of an initiative in Philadelphia, and I really like to see it happen here in Trenton, which is about urging government officials to put in place those programs that will incentivize, that will support putting on rooftop solar to make that clean energy available. But also an important part of the solution is to make sure that the jobs that are created by the installation 
go to the people that live in the city, that live in that community, right? So it's an energy creator and a job creator. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about clean energy versus fracked gas or coal or other dirty fossil fuels is for um, every dollar you invest, right, in clean energy versus those dirty fossil fuels, you create three to five times the number of jobs. So really, it's for every million dollars you invest, right? You create three to five times the number of jobs. So you create more jobs. Could you imagine if we could make that clean energy available to the people of Trenton? And whatever excess energy gets created could go beyond, but all the job creation that would be associated with that could come back to the people in the community where it's happening. It's powerful and it's important. We're trying to make it happen in Philadelphia. And, you know, there should be a sister initiative really here in, in Trenton if people are interested. Well, right? I, I can tell you that people are definitely interested. And uh, Mayor Rigos, you're my buddy. Um, be prepared. I'm going to be uh, sending this over to you, and I'm going to be uh, asking you to sit down with Maya K. Van Rossum and Delaware River Keeper. You can uh, coordinate something. But I think that that's an initiative that would be a simple, easy win um, for a municipality like the city of Trenton. Let's do a citywide push to get people to get off of um, the dirty fossil fuels, get away from oil, maybe go to uh, solar or wind or something else. And uh, it just takes a little bit of initiative and um, some uh, gumption to go ahead and be the one to say, no, nah, this is this is what we're going to do. We're going to at least look into it and put some effort behind it. And leadership. Yes. Leadership. There we go. So <laughs> solar in Trenton. That would be a hashtag. Vaughn, make sure you write that down. <laughs> solar in Trenton. That's what we're going to start pushing here. All right. So, Maya, I want to tra tra transition a little bit. And, and as you talked about legislature and about elected officials, what's going on here with the New Jersey Green Amendment? Yeah, so, you know, people have a right to free speech. People have a right to freedom of religion. People have private property rights. People have gun rights. Do you know you do not have a right, a right to clean water, clean air, or a healthy environment? So in the Constitution, all those other, you have due process rights. In the state of New York, you have a right to gamble. Many states, you have a right to get divorced. Victims have rights. All of these are positive, important things. But you do not have a constitutional right in the Bill of Rights section of the New Jersey Constitution that respects and protects your inalienable right as a person here on this earth to pure water, clean air, and a healthy environment. And in fact, there are only two states that have that kind of constitutional provision, that kind of green amendment. That's Pennsylvania and Montana. And so, um, you know, we've started an initiative at, at my organization, the Delaware Riverkeeper Network, called Green Amendments for the Generations. It's actually a national initiative. The, the book is an instrumental part of it. And what I'm trying to do is get the passage of green amendments in every single state constitution across the nation. And then ultimately, ultimately, not today, but down the road at the federal level. Um, and one of the places, you know, where we're, we're working really hard and where we've started is here in the watershed states, including New York, New Jersey, and Delaware. And we actually have a green amendment proposal. There is a New Jersey green amendment that has been proposed um, Senator Greenstein and Bateman um, and Assembly Members uh, McKeon and Pinkin have been leading the way uh, and we need the people of New Jersey and we need the municipalities including the city of Trenton to get behind the passage of a New Jersey Green Amendment um, so that our right to clean water, clean air and healthy environment will be respected and protected in the same way our rights to free speech and freedom of religion are respected and protected. Fantastic. Um, 30 seconds. Why 
why is this not moving forward, in your own opinion? Yeah. Well, it is moving forward here in New Jersey, um, but it needs to move forward faster, and it's okay. because our elected officials are not hearing from the people, so they have not prioritized it. They don't think that the right to clean water and clean air is important to the people in New Jersey. We need to disabuse them of that notion. We need to tell them to all get on as sponsors today and to start to move this legislation so that the New Jersey Green Amendment gets passed by the New Jersey legislature, but then comes before the people of New Jersey so we can all vote on it, too. So just to make this clear, we need more people, more eyes, and more understanding about the New Jersey Green Amendment proposal. Yeah. And if people go to forthegenerations.org or DelawareRiverkeeper.org, go to the New Jersey Green Amendment page, you can find a way to get involved, send a letter, who to call, what to say, um, and be involved and help us make this happen for present generations and future generations. Fantastic. Maya K. Van Rossum, she will be back, folks. And we're talking about her book, The Green Amendment. It is available on all the normal platforms, Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, and also her website, DelawareRiverKeeper.org. Thank you so much for coming in. We'll see you soon, right? I look forward to it. Thank you. Awesome. Maya K. Van Rossum has been my guest in the first segment of the Trenton 365 show. Stay tuned, and we'll be back shortly.